and welcome to the American Horror Story podcast brought to you by Bald Move. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. And we're, of course, the officially unofficial podcast for American Satan. Horror Story on FX. <laughs> I No Satans. No Satans this week. Though there is plenty of mention of him. Real yeah. missed opportunities. Like, with so many missed Satan, Satan, Satan opportunities. I don't, I don't understand. They dropped the Satan ball. Uh, right <laughs> this episode was the penultimate episode of the 1984 season, Rest in Pieces. Mm. What did you think? This episode was disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like this introduction of the true crime writer, uh-huh. which I'm sure is based off some actual true crime writer or at least their personalities, the salacious ones. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, it's not... It was actually Halloween, but not a Halloween episode. That should have happened last week again. I was right about that. <laughs> but, you know, everyone's having fun. And, you know, the things they're saying, everyone's got some everyone's got some mixed reviews of the Reagan era mm-hmm. and the things that they miss. A lot of monologuing. Um, but, yeah, I just like it when everyone's having fun. I have an, an analogy like you know how like when you're you're watching porn and you're like I don't know two thirds of the way through and you blow your load <laughs> and then it's like there's still a third of the, the movie left but suddenly you're just closing all your browser windows yeah that's Halloween every season in American Horror Story it's like we're all like oh yeah fucking spooky season yeah yeah and then Halloween it's like we're just we just want to go everyone in American Horror Story just wants to go take a nap yeah and it's like yeah we still have I guess two or three episodes we're contractually obligated to make but yeah uh, I will say that yes this that, that is still really really fun um, some of the shit that they have on here is just really hilarious I continue to really enjoy Xavier's monologuing <laughs> Um, I really enjoy the Night Stalker. I love him teaming up with dumbass Dylan, thumbless Dylan, thumbless um, Dylan, and then there the, the triumphant of him and uh, Dylan and Margaret. It's 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 pretty fun, but not 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 as not as uh, consistently enjoyable and, and over the top as early season 1984 was. Right. Uh, do you want to like how are they going to wrap this up in one episode? I. I feel like every episode they start opening more doors. I don't know. And then it's you're bizarre. like, then you realize you keep walking through doors you've walked through before, and it's just like I'm stuck in, I'm stuck in this endless house, house of leaves. It's just like the house of leaves house. I saw that uh, uh, a teaser that shows that Xavier's wielding a chainsaw next week, so that'd be fun. Yeah, Hopefully, like we we'll get a Billy Idol appearance. They they had better pay off this this Idol crew thing. Yeah, because Idol's got to be he's on set right or just the silver. Uh, he's coming on set. I mean, the, yeah, you can't tease Billy Silver and then not have Billy. Yeah, I mean they've been they, they've they've been they've been teasing him all season long. So no, no, no. I, I mean, like actually in the show, you think he's there? I didn't mean to say on set. I meant at the camp. They've got his rings and Steve's guitar picks and Kaja Gugu's there. Do you no, think he's he probably, there yet? He's probably, we just he, haven't no, seen him. No, I think that he hasn't showed up yet. Okay. No. no. Okay, some housekeeping. As has been the case for a while now, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. One big headliner, Jim Sess and I have launched an entirely new network dedicated to politics and lifestyle-related stuff. It's called Swizzbold, S-W-I-Z-Z-B-O-L-D. And if you go to swizzbold.com, you can discover and preview our two flagship shows, Three Right Turns, a political podcast hosted by myself, and One Weird Trick, an advice show uh, podcast hosted by me and Cecily. If any of that sounds good, uh, head over to swizzbold.com and subscribe. Over on the Bald Move side, The Watchman is a show that needs a podcast if ever there were one, and that's what we do on We Do The Watchman Podcast. Instant live takes and talk podcasts for club members on Sunday night with a full recap podcast. Uh, with a full analysis on Tuesdays. We also have Pickle Me This. It's an exciting time. Uh, we're wrapping up our season three uh, this week with two episodes releasing for uh, episode nine and ten of season three because season four begins next week and we'll be ready for it. Uh, if you are excited about season four, please join us on Pickle Me This. Our podcast, 2-Bit Encryption, we are busy decoding USA's Mr. Robot each and every week. We had a truly silent night. 
this past Sunday with a full hour long episode, zero spoken dialogue. What does it all mean? Find out our full episode recaps drop every Wednesday. Cecily and Alexis begin their regular season coverage of His Dark Materials on Bald Move TV starting this week. Watch the first episode on HBO, then check out their weekly show on Bald Move TV. And on This Week in Bald Movies, we've got Dr. Sleep, which is the follow-up to Stephen King's The Shining. Uh, in the weeks to come, we've got Ford versus Ferrari, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and eventually in December, Star Wars Episode Nine. Check it out on Bald Movies. So that's what's going on here at baldmove.com. If any of that sounds interesting, head over to baldmove.com or search for the podcast name wherever you listen to podcasts to subscribe. Okay, shall we get to the episode? Yes. Uh, we have Donna and Brooke discussing the concept of final girl, the one who survives it all and lives to tell the tale. Uh, and then Donna explains to Brooke why it can't be her because black folk don't make it out of horror movies mm-hmm. in the 80s. Uh, Stacy Phillips then introduces herself. She is a reporter for the National Enquirer, but her real passion is writing books on serial killers. She explains that she thinks serial killers are the new bo- Bigfoot, and she can't help but note that Brooke looks shockingly like Brooke, mm-hmm. the recently killed serial killer. She also says that her Halloween costume is hilarious. What? what? Uh, Stacy tells Brooke that her Halloween costume is hilarious when I think Brooke is just still dressing like the 80s. Oh, maybe. I mean, I don't, that's, I, that's the thing is like, I, I, I get it that the 80s are almost over, but it's 1989. Right. This isn't like 1992. There was a lot, just like there was a, a hangover in the 70s into the 80s. There is definitely an 80s hangover into the early 1990s. I think they're protesting. I mean, like Trevor... His shit legit complaints like, you know, no more coke and no more rope like that stuff. But like the fashion, I don't know. I like how you just called not having coke a legit complaint. <laughs> oh, I mean, it can do legit 80s complaint. Yeah, but compared to like what Stacy's wearing hmm. um, or what Trevor is wearing, the early 90s fashion isn't great. Mm-mm, no, <laughs> but I don't know. It's it's hip at the time. Then we head on over to uh, the hyper hiker who is hiking down the road to Camp Redwood. He, uh, Dylan pulls over in a pink Cadillac and offers to pick him up, take him for a ride. Cecily, where where did Dylan get this pink Cadillac? I don't, I don't remember. I love it. As soon as I saw him pulling up in a pink car, I was like, he killed a Mary Kay lady. Uh-huh. This is, I mean, this entire episode is just not only showing, but telling us all about all of the early 90s, late 80s things and... And they got something to say about it. I can't tell if the writers were happy about the 80s or if they have some resentment left over. But I, I don't know who actually who it's for. <laughs> you know, is it just for like other people who were around in the 80s that are having fun reminiscing on these things? You're not picking up my joke. Where did you get the pink Cadillac? There's a flashback to last night where oh. it explains how he finds and murders. <laughs> like, what is the purpose for telling this out of order? Because, I mean, for real, like, this would have been a pretty solid episode opener. Uh, you know, this Mary Kay lady kind of bopping down the road. She sees this guy tied to the telephone pole. Oh, my God, are you okay, sir? And, you know, presto bingo, she's in the trunk. Yeah, but, just uh, f- flip around the order, put the cutscene. I don't know. I don't know why they do that. It's so weird. A two-minute flashback just to... Ex- Is it written that way? I, or do you think that's happening in the editing room? Why? <sighs> It's like, hey, we haven't got to use our flashback font yet. Let's let's just for- force it in there. Anyway, back in the present, she begs for her life, and he taunts her for being a really good saleswoman, uh, encouraging her to do a better job of begging. And when she tries to do the Mary Kay pitch, he stabs her in the chest, and the hyper hiker flees into the woods. <laughs> okay, you went really fast over a bunch of all of those things, but all right. I have questions. I might have answers. <laughs> what is the hyper hiker doing? What, who keeps killing him? So that he's got the worst memory of anyone, and but he's also did he get ran, did like Margaret run him over on the road to the camp because how is he able is he to get off from? camp pro, camp camp uh, property? Yeah, I felt like he was going to be central to the plot when he was introduced in the first episode. Then he disappeared for like the entire middle season, and now he's back again. Right, he's like he's self aware enough to guide other people on how to be a ghost, but he also can't remember where he is or 
when things happen. Yeah. It's, 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 I don't understand his character at all. I, I don't either. And we got one episode left for it to make sense. But fucking Dylan McDermott here, the way he delivers this line, oh, I like the girls. I like those feisty girls. Mm-hmm. He's just such a scumbag and he's having so he's much having fun. He's having so much fun. A sleazy, low rent serial killer. I love him cauterizing his thumbs with the cigarette lighter. Yeah. Oh, God. So good. Uh, but uh, yeah, I like how he gives this Mary Kay lady a chance. Like she's about to start into this um, MLM hun speech. Uh-huh. What if I told you I could change your life? And he's uh-huh. like, yeah, that's what I was looking for, and kills her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that like when you know, because this show is so fucking off the walls. When we were watching it the first time, I'm like, I could actually see be in for like Dylan getting a makeover. You know, like like uh, the rest of the episode, he's just fucking glammed up. Uh, but no, we didn't get that. He seems like, um, he's coked up, but not glammed up, not glowed up, just coked up. Yeah. He seems like he's still in the seventies a bit. Is that when he's got the eighties Coke? He's got the best of the decades. Is that when like Credence was popular? Was that seventies rock? Yeah. I think he's supposed to be, he's like a decade. He's like a generation older than Richard Ramirez. So that makes sense. Yeah. Like, Like Ramirez is more of an idol guy and he's more of a Credence guy. Yeah. So we then are treated to a scene where Margaret berates Courtney for not telling her early about Kaja Gugu. Kaja Gugu. Kaja Gugu. Is it Kaja Gugu? It's uh-huh. Kaja Gugu. I, yeah. Did I say it wrong? Okay. Kaja Gugu. Well, you hesitated like you didn't think you were saying it I, right. It just, when I look at it on the screen, it just looks like a, it looks like I just fucking had a stroke while I was <laughs> typing. So yeah, she's they're in their tour bus and uh, Richard Ramirez just went fucking nuts with them. Uh, she orders poor Courtney to dispose of all the bodies and clean up the bus so it doesn't interfere with her festival while and he does it he fucking does it he's the he was the moral compass of the uh, of of her empire such as it was like two episodes ago now he's he's butchering bodies and hiding the thing uh, and hiding them and he's got these trash bags full of Kaja Gugu <laughs> and then he sees to his surprise Kaja Gugu putting on an impromptu sh- live show in the parking lot and uh, they're immortal and have never been tighter. I love that Kaja Gugu only plays the one song and also in their spare time only listens to the one song. You know what? That song has been stuck in my head for this whole fucking week. Like yes. I find myself singing it in the shower and just kind of a humming. It's just like that. Since a, last week. That goddamn brain worm. And also never ending story. I've been singing that a lot mm. too. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that kind of got that, that kind of got pre-stuck with uh, uh, Stranger Things this mm. year. Yeah. So, Billy Idol's roadies are setting up a stage show when the Night Stalker sees one and asks them uh, what he's carrying, and he reveals that he's carrying Billy's rings. Uh, he cautions him not to touch the silver, but he gives him one of Steve's picks. Uh, who is Steve? So, I had to look this up. Steve Stevens mm-hmm. was Billy, or is, Billy Idol's guitarist, and they've been, they've always worked together. He's kind of like the slash to Billy Idol. Is mm. that his name? Slash? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Slasher? Slash? What's his name? I think that's it. Slash, slash dance. Yeah, it's Slash. <laughs> All right, Steve Stevens is that to Billy Idol. And Steve Stevens also won a Grammy for uh, the Top Gun theme music. Yeah. Awesome. So the the roadie after gives him that says, oh, who are you with? Because this guy does look like a roadie. And uh, the Night Stalker holds up his hand, revealing his uh, carved uh, pentagram and says, Satan. And they dropped the ball. They should have been Satan, Satan, Satan yes. underneath this. And then the the, the roadie goes right on, <laughs> and with this kind of maniacal look in his eye, and it's just the best. It's just the best, right? Because going into the eighties is the uh, we're about to get into some satanic panic here soon. Oh, I think we we're we're oh no, we're past the eighties. Yeah, eighties is high uh, satanic panic, but also like. Uh, <laughs> I flashed I lived through the 80s there. and 90s, and man, kid, they, they love that edge. They love that uh, satanic imagery on those uh, metal metal covers. Is that why you played so much Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, because I wanted <laughs> to channel that uh, satanic energy. Uh, the Night Stalker then starts rocking out his air guitar into the woods and is tackled by Jingles, who says he's going to end him here at this place. They fight. Uh, the Night Stalker gets in an epic eye gouge, double eye gouge. Uh, he, he goes for the Clegane. He yeah. goes. The, the, he's 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 double pushing on those eyes like the thumbsticks on a PS4. Ah, oh, and they get so bloody. It's gross. Uh, they they fall down an embankment. It's a it's been a good week for falling down embankments. It really we has. We had like three embankment fallings and Mr. Robot alone. Now mm-hmm. it's, uh, this is the quad. This is no. Th- there was two. This is the third. The hat trick. 
Uh, Jingles then gets run over by Dylan driving that damn pink Cadillac. Uh, Dylan gets out, and of course, Fanboy is completely over the Night Stalker and shows him the Mary Kay lady stabbed to death in the trunk to impress him. Uh, the Night Stalker is impressed. He goes, that's metal. Uh, <laughs> Dylan then offers to take down Jingles, and the Night Stalker beseeches Satan for help in locating him. So, <laughs> this team up is amazing. The Al- What is his name? He, called, he introduced himself as Bruce? as Bruce last episode. Bruce, yeah. I think and it's Bruce, but I call him this, Dylan. Yeah, but the subtitles called him Alex. And really? Oh, yeah, they did. So, I don't I don't know. He could have been lying about his name, but, Alex you know. Alex Bruce. Dylan. He's, <laughs> I don't know what he's up to. I, he just seems like he likes to kill because he likes the idea of killing. Yeah, he, he likes the idea of being a famous serial killer. Where he's like a, Ramirez is, is doing it in Satan's name and other mm-hmm. people are just crazy. He's a, he's a serial killer fame whore. But yeah, they're hunting big game now. So Brooke and Donna have retired back at their hotel to rest up uh, when Stacy from the National Enquirer tracks them down, says, I know who you are because turns out she's the world expert on the 1984 massacre at Camp Redwood. Do you think she's expert enough to know there was two other massacres? No. Because n- that knowledge never makes that through the episode. <laughs> Throughout or through her investigation, she's learned about Donna's scheme to fake Brooke's death and realized that it was her at the execution uh, making good on that plan. And they cut a deal. If she sneaks them into camp in her trunk and lets them go at the end of the festival, then they'll give her exclusive interviews and a tour of the camp from their perspective, which is very attractive to a serial killer writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they give her the ultimate scoop at all of all, which is uh, reveals that Margaret Booth is the real killer of both massacres. And Stacy says, well, if you can prove that, I will buy y'all tickets to Paris. She will not be able to buy them tickets to Paris before she the end of this episode. will not. Nobody's going to Paris. So the hyper hiker uh, appears to explain to Jingles what's happening because apparently Jingles slept through all the fucking exposition that Montana gave, like the exact same fucking information about how ghosts work on this show. Um, but uh, Jingle says, I can take the pain, but I can't forget why I'm here because he uh, doesn't want to forget to stop Ramirez from killing his boy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, relax, bro. How many fucking times are you, do you plan on dying? Like, how many times can you die on one day that you're going to forget who you are? Can you, like, like, like can, can you get killed, like, like, 72 times? How many times has the hyper hiker died? And he's kind of loopy, but he's still with it. I mean, with it enough to explain the fact that he's a ghost and all the ghost rules. Right. I just don't understand why Jingles thought it was a good idea to kill himself. Yeah, I got Because it makes less and less sense when you think about it. Like, now it's, you can't go protect your son anywhere. You think... Yeah, but he thought, like, normal human flesh and blood, no Satan power jingles couldn't go against the Night Stalker fueled by Satan, Satan, Satan. So, so what makes you think that you can kill someone who's fueled by Satan, 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 Satan? Uh, if you're a ghost? An unstoppable killing ghost? I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I, I don't know that it makes sense, but that's the logic that they used. So it does have a fatal flaw, which we'll reveal here in a minute. Uh, Montana and Trevor have gotten down, and they're engaging in some ghostly pillow talk. Uh, Montana reveals uh, the only new information we found about ghosts this episode. They can't get high. Mm. Uh, but it's fun to fake it. They can come, and they can constantly long to be dead or alive anywhere but being stuck between these two worlds. And she feels that's why she wants to kill everyone. They'll either attract the Ghostbusters they need to get on with things, or they get a bunch of new groovy people to have fun and sex with. And I'm like, you know what? That plan makes a lot of sense. It works coming and going. Yeah. Trevor, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Trevor is unhappy with the dawn of the 90s because there's no more coke, there's bad fashion, all that flannel, all that flannel coming on <laughs> with the grunge look. Uh, and good luck finding an aerobics class. Uh, he also reveals that he hates Margaret. And, of course, Margaret sees them coming out the cabin together, which uh, that doesn't actually impact the plot at all yet, but no. probably will next week. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, the Night Stalker and Dylan are walking through the woods, and the Night Stalker explains why he hates Jingles, because he was on an unprecedented serial killer roll. He was unstoppable. He was a force of nature, and Jingles fucking ruined it. And for that, he will have his vengeance, and Xavier reveals himself and says, I can help with that. Uh, okay, I, I lied. We found out two new things about ghosts. If you dig up a ghost's body, it's like ghost catnip. They're 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 irresistibly drawn to it. Is that- and that's uh 
I just remember that that rule applies to the in the Tall Grass movie, the Stephen King one. Oh yeah, they did that same. Was it Stephen King or Joe King? Jo- the I think it was both, honestly. Oh yes, right. They did. They collaborated <laughs> on it. It's the, it's the King boys back again. Uh, so they dig him up, and uh, there's a couple. I, I really like the shot of the worms crawling out of Jingle's nose and mouth. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then Jingle shows up and guts Ghost Xavier and threatens Dylan. And the Night Stalker says, "Look, uh, dumbass, uh, I'm going to I'm going to exploit your obvious flaw in your your plan. I'm just going to leave the camp <laughs> where you can't follow, and then fuck off to Alaska and kill your boy, and you can't do anything about it." And just as Jingles resolves to kill the Night Stalker here and now, Margaret shows up and blows Jingles' head off with a gun. Ramirez, the count of him getting more and more pissed off of the people who get to kill Jingles and not him. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, Margaret explains to Dylan that for Dylan's benefit that uh, her and the Night Stalker have a mutual admiration and deep foot-based sexual <laughs> attraction. And she says for her plan to work at this uh, camp, she's going to need all the killers she can get. Yeah. They're, um, I, <laughs> I have here, wonder what happened to the, to the porn director. You think he's going to show back up? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. He certainly, certainly does not deserve to move on. He does not. And, uh, so, Jingles gives Ramirez his, his only weakness. I just don't understand. Like Ramirez had the chance to kill your baby before, but didn't. Yeah, so why it's not do you like he reveal... doesn't know it exists. Yeah, and you being stuck here, I don't know. It seems. Wait, you don't think R- Ramirez knows that his baby exists? I think he absolutely does. So I'm not sure. I'm just not sure why Jingles thought trapping himself Maybe there he would didn't, keep him. Because like when he dug up his wallet and saw the picture of his wife and baby, he's like, "Son of a bitch!" Like maybe he didn't know that the baby was there. He, he showed up a, and a, uh, he left a oh, letter right. written in blood on the baby. On yeah. yeah. What the fuck? It's yeah. Okay. So somewhere in the background here, they're just they, during this conversation, they become so close to to being self-aware, mm-hmm. and uh, you can actually hear self-aware wolves in the background howling in the scene. <laughs> howling. So Stacy from National Enquirer is very skeptical of Donna and Brooke's explanation of how the 1984 uh, Camp Redwood massacre was actually a serial killer feeding frenzy. So Brooke comes up with a new plan, which is luring Stacy to one of the abandoned shacks and killing her, which Donna is aghast. She doesn't want Brooke to lose her fucking innocence, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Which that 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 tracks. Like how Stacy yeah. like, so you mean to tell me that all of this actually happened? Yeah. <laughs> she she essentially just like recounts the plot of five episodes and a deeply skeptical. I, I, I love how like there's a recurring theme of characters saying none of this makes sense. None of this is believable. Um. The Night Stalker, Margaret, and Dylan all strike villainous poses as they watch them for like a hot second. There's literally like a one second scene before they cut the commercial where they're all just kind of posing in the woods. I love it. I love it. Uh, The ghosts have jingles tied up in a tree. uh, (laughs) K-I-L-L-I-N-G. Xavier's really working this aggrieved Valley Boy accent. It's kind of... I was trying to think of where I've heard it. and To me, it's like Keanu Reeves doing a Pauly Shore impersonation. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Xavier reveals I had two callbacks for the A team, and he has to pay for what he stole from him and for what he stole for all of us. And uh, Jingles is like, "Okay, fine, but let me kill the Night Stalker first. And Xavier's like, "No way, he's a dick. Nobody wants <laughs> Satan's ball washer around for all time. Love it. Well, I kind of do. Yeah, I do too. He's just, fun. I, I really resent the fact that he's growing on me more and more every episode. I've, I, I've loved him. Is he my favorite beginning. character? He's I had to have that hard realization. He literally is. It, literally killing it this season. Uh, he's like, but you know, uh, my boy is innocent. And all the ghosts are like, all of us were innocent. And then he says, well, except for Ray. <laughs> I like how it was perfect for Chet to have said that. Yeah, yeah exactly, except for Ray. Exactly. Uh, then Jingles reveals Montana and the Night Stalker's relationship, which kind of weirds uh, Xavier out, and reveals that she was his inspiration. And Mark, or I'm sorry, not Margaret. Montana seems affected by this. A single, a single tear rolls down her cheek. Mm. Brooke lures Stacy to the abandoned shack, and she tells her about, uh, like, like, tries to put her in her perspective, and says, "Close your eyes. I want to tell you what it was really like." Uh, she also tells her about Donna's involvement in events, and then she goes to start to slit her throat, and Donna jumps her and shoves her to the ground to preserve 
her uh, non-murderous, or I guess non-murder and self-defense innocence. And she gives Brooke a final girl pep talk to the tune of Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. And Brooke's, Brooke's back from the uh, the brink of darkness. They're going to be the first, uh, yeah, the first mixed race final girls. <laughs> As Eye of the Tiger continues to uh, thump through our speakers, Stacy hauls her ass down a trail trying to get the fuck out of here when the Night Stalker tackles her to the ground. It's a, it's a good week for ground tackles, too. <laughs> yeah. Then the Night Stalker, Dylan, and Margaret kill her with knives, and Margaret reveals her master plan. She's going to murder all of these artists that she's assembled here at Camp Redwood and make them an immortal ghost tourist attraction. Uh, and then the Night Stalker says, everybody except for Billy. Billy's got to live. Billy does got to live. Billy's got to live. <laughs> I mean, we know in the real world he survives this, so unlike Kaja Cuckoo. Bruce is just game for whatever the plan is. Yeah, Bruce is like, who's got two thumbs and wants to kill everybody? Not this guy. <laughs> Trevor uh, walks down the path, and he's rocking this sweet ascot now, and he proposes to <laughs> Montana that he should kill himself and stay here because he's essentially peaked, and it's all downhill, so why not stay here and hang out with uh, her forever? and confesses his love for her and she rejects it hard says i'm a monster i dated the night stalker and and he is shocked pikachu about this <laughs> i and she goes off this long speech about how men get to kill and maim and rape and women don't get to do anything fun we're only the scapegoats for the men who do all the fun stuff all he and did I'm was like, make a face and i'm like why is he make a face like he's he married margaret who is a serial killer for money why would he freak out that like Montana's got this little wild side to her? Right. If anything, he's a little bit more guilty here. Yeah, if- I like Trevor. I thought I was on Team Trevor. I thought Trevor was a good dude. Yeah. But he wakes up in a hospital and he's a fucking asshole. I I I I I don't I don't understand. I understand his deal. Right. Uh, he says she says I don't want you. I need something fucked up like me. Then she does the whole like Arya running Namiria off. Uh, thing where she like throws rocks at Trevor. Go, like, get out of here. Go home, Trevor. I don't want you anymore. Go away. Beat it. <laughs> and he, yeah, he, he runs with his tail uh, tucked, his, his giant dick tucked between his legs. <laughs> <laughs> Whimpering down the trail. Does Xavier care that she's sleeping with Trevor? I, I mean, why do they ever need to be together? If, I feel like the go would the, the ghosts don't care about like anything. Except for they, I guess they do. They can feel emotions and fear and pain and joy and sex, orgasm and just Jealousy everything. But, but they, the ghosts don't have a THC re- receptors in their brain. That's the that's it. Yeah, cocaine else, works like a charm. LSD, love it. Perfect. But they in just fact, can't, it's a little bit stronger when you're a ghost. man. There's this got no receptors. Yeah. So she thinks she needs to be with someone who's as fucked up as she is, which should have been Trevor. Who do you think? this is going to be i think she's in she's realized in retrospect she's in love with the night stalker that he's the one guy who's kind of like put her on a pestle and treated her like a lady and like you know done her bidding and you know that's uh that that that, uh, she likes that it reflects her girl boss girl boss energy the next time we see her she's by the lake looking at jingles is she gonna do so you think she's in love with jingles now i don't know Huh. I'm not sure why she was the one to see him by the lake because I know they needed someone there. Maybe they just needed just someone to see it. As the, the two. Should have been the hyper hiker. That would have been perfect. He's mm. perfect at showing up in weird times. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Plus, it's like, did he go? Well, we'll, we'll talk to. We'll talk about that when we get to that scene. Okay. Uh, the ghosts then take turns stabbing Jingles to death uh, again on the docks, <laughs> taunting him about this his eternal future of just constant death and torture. Uh. Xavier doesn't want it to go too fast, so they take the still bleeding out jingles and they push him out onto a boat, uh, or put him on a boat and push him out into the middle of the lake and just kind of you know walk away, uh, James Bond villain style. Mm-hmm. He as he is dying, he sees Montana standing looking at him on the shore. Then a dead body erupts from the lake and pulls him under the water. Who is this dead body? I don't know. Like this shot for shot remake of the end scene in Friday the Thirteenth, yes. the first movie. Yes, I think it's Chet. It's the only person we've seen like die actually in the lake is Chet. But why would his body come back? Did did his mom end up in there? Oh, no, that's Bobby. It's got to be Bobby, right? He's too big. That is an adult shape. 
Mm, yeah, I guess that's true. Because you can't get his child and, and as the you know pop out of water with a bunch of foam rubber on her face. Here's the thing: I don't think, child labor laws. I don't think the show is wants you to think that it's anybody besides. Isn't this like Friday the Thirteenth? Yeah, I don't know. I, I does it matter? It doesn't matter, but I think it would be satisfying if it was Bobby because then, then he, it's like he's because because that's I guess my question. He wakes up on shore and his Bobby, his his baby brother Bobby, and his mom's there, and his mom's now like not crazy anymore, and she's pleased that he has reunited their family, and she's all sunshine and kittens now. And Jingles is like, "But what about my brother? Or what about my baby?" And she's like, "Oh, the past will drag you back. Why don't you just find peace with us?" And <laughs> see, her, we don't have crusts. His, Stay here. Yeah. Uh, in in this ghost world, there's no crusts. Um, and his brother urges them to stay with him and play and nothing will be able to hurt him and i'm like so when he got drugged underwater is this like some kind of pocket dimension that his mom's created because why can't the ghost just find him and kill them all again right and i thought the reason bobby's ghost wasn't there before is because he was just a a child at peace and he moved on so once you once you make peace as a ghost you can reclaim other bring other people's ghosts back I don't know. Like, is, is this, this like, is there dream? a limbo? Like, maybe for souls that haven't moved on, but that I guess that's what the camp is. I I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Does I don't, your body need to be there in order for you to be a ghost? Probably. <laughs> Nobody cleaned up any of these bodies. No. Okay. No. Yeah. No. 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 That's like that's and it also I was thinking like who buried uh, Jingles in the middle of the woods. I think the ghosts did because they were keen to hide. I think I think the ghosts after Montana said don't kill anybody um, until the festival is underway. They were like wanting to cover up Jingle's body because if it found there, they were afraid that it get found and it would it would screw up the festival. So I, I guess that tracks. Screw up the festival that he died the same night that everyone else did. Yeah, but the Night Stalker did that, and Margaret wanted him to cover it up. So I think Margaret and Montana both want all killings either to stop or to be covered up until the festival's in full swing and everyone's there so they can do the whole plan. Hmm. Because I think Margaret just wants to kill all the band members. She doesn't care about the people attending the festival. Yeah, no, Montana's going to kill them. Montana wants to kill everybody. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Margaret's got a plan. Montana, well, yeah, no, Montana's got a plan, too. (laughs) But uh, that's the episode. That is the episode. Are we ready for feedback? I do have some feedback. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. We're getting geared up for the sixth annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved the venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. 
the thrills of King's Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. If you would like to send feedback, you can do so at ahs at baldmove.com. Uh, we've also got people in the forums that have a discussion. Uh, that's forums.baldmove.com if you'd like to join that. Satan, Satan, Satan. <laughs> no. Satan's there. Forum, forum, forum. <laughs> uh, okay. Our first piece is from Kevin. Uh, Kevin says, this has been my favorite season so far. To me, it has had a consistent story arc and build. First, we got the phenomenal never-ending right, or I'm sorry, night of a slasher's night. <laughs> wow. The phenomenal never-ending night of slashers piling up on top of slashers, and I said early on that everyone is going to be a killer by the end of the night, and I was pretty much right. Uh, Rip, Chef Birdie, and a few other innocents. Yeah, where's Chef Birdie? Hmm. She could... Who's making those sandwiches that Lily Rabe is eating? Yeah, what is the rules for... Like, I I guess the unfinished business angle, or like maybe innocent, but uh, that doesn't explain... If you just missed her hard enough, they can come back like Bobby did, though, What's right? What's Xavier guilty of? Being exploited by an older man? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how, how well all that stuff tracks. Yeah. Everything since has been the story after the night without uh, too many AHS twists, except some time jumps. More killers even getting added to the mix. I feel like I'd go on for a while about lore and such. When it comes to the circle of hell theory, I feel like... Each season portrays each circle in its own way with some seasons emphasizing certain circles more than others. Okay, what is this? Okay, we're, we're far enough into this that I can opine on the theory. What yeah. was this year supposed to be? Lust. Okay. Oh, wait, that is kinda, that a circle? Yeah, lust. That kind of tracks. Yeah. Yeah, it's lots of... It was, lot, it was a lot heavier of a theme in the beginning of the season, but... Mm-hmm. Eh, everyone... You got Trevor and Montana and uh, all the ghosts kind of fucking... Margaret and... Posting feet and... and yeah 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 all right that tracks all right also this season's version of purgatory got me thinking that this is the mechanic of how it works great evil curses lands and trigger triggers an eternal purgatory on the land for any soul lost in it franken baby season one slaughter of hotel guests in season five and now the slaughter of counselors yeah um i'd like to know more about this how this curse works does it have to be a particularly evil murder, or does it have to be a lot of them? Yeah, because number the high numbers obviously. It seems like that's are, a big component of it. Because like, isn't that how the hotel Cortez started? Mm-hmm. And, and the murder house, it's murder the, house yeah. for a reason. Yeah, no, I, I think that that that's a big big component. Lots of like a, a concentrated burst of immiseration and pain. <laughs> uh, Kevin ends the email uh, with uh, hashtag Give us Edgington hashtag Slayers versus Ghosts. Hashtag don't touch Billy Idol. Hashtag your 80s forever. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Eric writes in and says, so because I think it's fun to discuss next season, Ryan Murphy said there was a clue to season 10 in this episode. I think we're finally getting aliens next year based on that. He said he's revisiting that recently and the Wait, reporter mentioned them. What? Uh, oh, because it's like it's a new Bigfoot aliens. And uh, oh, maybe it's going to be. A lot of people like are in thinking search it's Bigfoot, of Bigfoot aliens. aliens, Loch Ness monster. I could because like that yes. was my jam when yes. I was like in third grade. I was obsessed with like UFOs, uh, par- uh, not paranormal, but like uh, cryptozoology, mm-hmm. like any kind of sciency paranormal shit. I was all about. Oh yeah, absolutely. Is that where aliens fall into that? Isn't that like I thought? That's part of what what Stacy was listing off in the nat. No, I'm saying, would you consider that to be part of like cryptozoology and monster? Yeah, yeah. monsters. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Kind of like a Lovecraftian yeah. thing too. Just, just things, things that go bump in the night that aren't aren't ghosts, yes, or demons, or things like that. That's my favorite as well. I like that. I like that a lot. You know what I missed? I just realized we missed and haven't done in any of our horror movies. We haven't done a good alien movie. Hmm, that's true. I think we're gonna add it to the list next year. If Ryan Murphy doesn't do it, we will. 
Uh, Eric continues, the Night Stalker kills everyone else like nothing, but a middle-aged heavier man and a tiny woman who can barely outrun him are unkillable. Why did Dermot McDonald's need to be back? <laughs> With all the filler this episode, how is this going to go next week? It's not going to be over 40 minutes. There's so many loose ends. Get ready for rushed conclusions or just ignored plot points. They still have a festival, the revenge plot, Margaret wants to kill the world, and the ghost storylines. And they're flash-forwarding to 2019. Thoughts and prayers to the season. <laughs> <laughs> Are you excited about all... a giant flash forward? Well, I don't because there was some interesting things in the the next time on, like you know the Xavier wielding a chainsaw, and Finn Whitrock. Um, yeah, but the dandy. There was also uh, there's also this footage that makes it look like Brooke is doing some kind of interview. Oh, um, like she's being interviewed for something. So I'm like, that could be a real mess because like just wrapping up the camp redwood and then you know are you going to have is, is that going to be the framing device that it's like oh in current year but I, I also like brooke is not any older than she is in like 1989 so i don't think it's a 2019 flash forward yeah maybe she just doesn't do aging up makeup well <laughs> like emma roberts nope emma tom nope emma watson in harry potter jeez that was tough just pulled an aaron there <laughs> uh what you yeah. don't, what do you mean by oh are you talking about the like uh at the end of Harry Potter when yeah, she did the, the makeup like uh-huh. she's the only one that wasn't believably older right she just looks like teenager she took care of herself yeah, yeah well there you go magic <laughs> it's not like they have magic or anything yeah like fucking Dumbledore is like what three hundred years old or some shit and he you know he th- he does look old yeah. but that's the other thing is that they've already done this story this exact story in season two where. You have the interview at the end of the survivor or something or the final girl or something like that. And then if you flash forward to 2019, I can only assume that Finn Whitrock is going to be playing the son of one of these people. And he's... Is he Bobby? Oh, he could be Bobby. He could be the infant Bobby all grown up. But we've already done this. It's so weird. Yeah. How many like... <laughs> so uh, here, here's my pitch for season 10. All the mysterious babies that we haven't yes. seen grow up, they just all get together and do some weird shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. Alien babies, Antichrist babies, demon babies, ghost babies, mm-hmm. and abandoned Alaskan babies <laughs> all come back and have... It, it's it's like a Muppet Babies on the American Horror Story. Yeah. But for certain, if someone's being interviewed, it's being done by Lana Winters, right? Yes, for sure. Okay. For sure. Next email is from Todd. Todd says, I think it's very telling that Aaron says he didn't care that much for Murder House or Asylum, but his favorite season was Coven because the first two seasons of this show were pretty much more, uh, pretty much more traditional horror stories, whereas the show began to turn into camp with season three's Coven and has gotten increasingly campier ever since. I, I don't know that camp hasn't been this thing's DNA for the first two because I you know but this the first two seasons I think they really did try to take themselves seriously sure that's true and uh and then Evan Peters just couldn't stop screaming (laughs) (laughs) screamed himself right out of the story who's the woman who um plays the like the elderly witch that's like very sophisticated and uh the Francis Conroy yes, one. Yes, Francis Conroy. Like her, uh, the, the 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 angel of death that mm. gives like the the kiss of death, like the fist I, of death. <laughs> the fist of death. I, I I don't know. Like that character. That that was pretty campy. I mean, just the concept of like uh, 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 the 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 perf- the performance of like uh, Jessica Lang as a nun. Like there there was a lot of over the top. I mean, I don't know what people think is camp. I guess. Um people vamping around in nun costumes giving like these outrageous monologues and i that to me that that's pretty fucking campy yeah um you know contrast that to like the nun or something i i I, but yeah i uh i don't know why well yeah what how do you define camp i'm not exactly sure because i feel like i could describe it or i feel like i could point it out and see it but yeah uh i don't know it's like obscenity you just kind of know it when you see it yeah (laughs) Yeah, I think it's confusing because, like, wasn't the Met Gala theme, like, last year camp? Mm-hmm. And there's, like, this this huge discussion about what's true camp and what's people pretend be camp and what's, like, you know, glam camp. I It's, it's uh, 
it's 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 an it's interest interesting topic. But yeah, I don't know. Like also, like why is Coven? Because I remember Co- Coven being genuinely scary. Like I think I think Coven is the scariest uh, season, the one of the creepiest seasons. So yeah, I'm trying to think. It wasn't as campy as I mean, the, the, fucking Nazi aliens. Yeah, that yeah, <laughs> Nazi right. Nazi doctor aliens, right? Yeah. Like it's like they're 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 witches, like high style witches. Yeah, in New Orleans, I thought it was I thought it was kind of a classier season. Yeah, but with some style. Yeah, but I I don't know that there's ever not been camp um, in in uh, in a Ryan Murphy show. <laughs> right or yeah, Ryan Murphy anything. Yeah. Todd continues, so I take that to mean it's the camp that you like best. Not a criticism, just an observation. Nothing wrong with camp, but I think the reason I've had zero, uh, I've had trouble zeroing in on what was missing from the season is that it's all camp, no real horror, at least in the first six episodes. Feels more like the season of Scream Queens than American Horror Story, especially with Emma Roberts and Billy Lord in the lead roles. That's fair. It does feel very Scream Queeny. Is Billy Lord in there? I don't know. We should watch it. Uh, or, I mean, I should watch it. Even the weakest seasons like Colt and Roanoke had some moments of genuine horror, whereas most of the season has just been pure parody and played for laughs. That's fine. I see the fun in it and I've enjoyed a lot of it. I just didn't know what to make of it because it just felt like a different show. Yeah, because like, that's the thing. Is like You go the 1980s, uh, predominantly the horror movies were dominated by slasher flicks, which are not... They're, they're, they, might, they might be scary... Um, but they're not horrific. I mean, they're violent. They're gory. You, 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 to the extent that you identify with the victims, then, but that's the other thing is like, they didn't do a very good job, especially when you talk about the sequels to things. Uh, they didn't do a very good job of like having you empathize with the victims. It's like you, you almost to the point where it became cliche that you're rooting more for the monster than you are for the people to survive. So I think that, we should stop judging this anthology series seasons against each other because hmm. I think that and, I, and that includes Ryan Murphy to, especially when you're reusing the cast and you're having all these cameos and stuff because I I think that they should or maybe they're trying to do a different kind of horror in every season and this kind of like I'm, I'm thinking of the one time was it Jingles or Jonas someone got their guts uh, ripped out and you just saw her. like these like moving intestines. Yeah, like that's yeah. a genre of horror that people like. Uh-huh. I think it's not the campiness like of it. Like that Jim Jim likes that. No, I fucking love that stuff. Y- yeah. Uh, I think it's not camp so much as it's just a kind of horror that people enjoy, which isn't that scary. But just seeing like too much buckets of blood is just it's fun in a way. Hmm. I don't know if you're a horror fan. If you're desensitized enough to not be scared by things anymore, this is the kind of horror you go no, for. No, it took me a while to get to like the almost slapstick appreciation. Like like um you know, like Looney Tunes, if you just take it uh at face value or Tom and Jerry, it's like horrific violence all the time. People getting blown up, cut up to pieces, singed, burned alive. Uh but it's also hilarious because they're cartoons and who gives a shit. And I think that like if you watch enough horror um like especially slasher type stuff and and uh, you know over the type like fountains of blood and like guts and splattering the fx and you understand it's not real that like it can kind of almost be ridiculous and funny mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I don't know i i think uh horror in many types because there's some things i don't like i don't really like psychological like horror i don't and i don't like torture uh, porn like 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 uh, i don't like torture porn i don't like the psychological like ooh a guy stalking a woman and terrorizing her kind of thing hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't mind Slash is not my favorite the, the, the real the horror that I really like is the supernatural creepy shit mm-hmm. and like science fiction based like body horror yeah Joe I'm guessing you already discussed in the recap the spot on Friday the 13th Easter egg with young dead Bobby filling in for Aha! Jason Voorhees another on the young dead Bobby <laughs> bandwagon uh, <laughs> it's, what are you just, trying to prove I wasn't it's, arguing it's just me with and you them on the boat that's it it's me the, the who's this person uh, Joe, me, Joe, Bobby, and, and the volcano. <laughs> that's all. That's that's the only ones on the boat. Uh, when I saw the boat on the lake, more importantly, when I saw Montana watching from a distance, I knew it was coming. In the OG Friday the Thirteenth, a police officer was standing on the shore trying to get the attention of Final Girl Alice before Jason jumped up to pull her on the lake. Fun fact is that the movie started the franchise that was supposed to end with her floating in the canoe on the lake. Killer mommy, dead and headless. Spoiler alert, I guess. Well, too late for that. Final Girl survives the end. 
but the special effects genius Tom Savini said that he loved the cliffhanger jump scare at the end of Carrie and that they should do something like that. Mm. To think if they didn't, Jason would have just been that poor kid that die or that dies when the camp counselors are screwing and not the murderous monster that he was in the 11 or so movies afterward. I liked Friday the 13th. I think it was a mistake to make Jason the villain. Because hmm. why? Well, Friday the 13th, again, because I haven't seen it. I, I, liked, I watched the last 30 minutes. It seemed like a, just a much better film than the series became in, in a similar way to like Ram- what happened to Rambo. Mm-hmm. Like First Blood is a really great film about this traumatized Vietnam vet and uh, how these people were, were, were reintegrated into society. And like, I think it was, it was um, nominated for Oscars and stuff. And then you get to like, you know, Rambo two, three and on, it just gets more and more absurd and further from it. You know, the, what, what made the original great and a little, to some extent there's, there's a little bit of that going on in the Rocky films. Um, but but yeah, it seems like the is that a fair characterization that the first Friday the 13th was like a decent, you know, well-made horror film? I think so. I mean, yeah. if uh, putting it, it right up against Halloween that we had just watched together, uh-huh. uh, which Halloween was great and different in its own way, but it was, I think it's a pretty good stand-up movie. You know, it's very clearly is punishing everyone that has sex or at least takes their clothes off. There's one girl who goes to unbutton her shirt at one point and she's interrupted i think before the shower or something so she survives because she just never got the rest of her shirt undone i assume so it leans into those themes and also it has that psycho type of thing where the mother is actually the little boy and the split personality and it's a really great interesting twist Hmm. And to bring him back as a monster at the end undoes that a little bit. Mm. I think it's I think that scene where the lake scene that we've seen in this show is the same as the Friday the thirteenth. I think that works really well, maybe in a different movie. Where Jason is already a, a monster you should be on the lookout for. I don't know. It just seemed yeah, you just brought a monster into a psychological horror movie. So it's like, what? There's this new thing now? I don't know. Does Michael Myers ever die in a Halloween s- series? And like, is he become an undead, unstoppable monster? I okay. don't. Michael Myers or Jason? Michael Myers. Because I was trying to think of like, because like you know, Freddy's obviously a dead ghost, vengeful monster. J- Jason becomes that. Like, did yeah, they Jason's go that? Did dead. they go that way with Michael Myers too? I mean, that, you haven't uh, seen all the Halloweens either. No, but that's the thing we talked about in the first movie. <laughs> Eighteen movies later, we know he's alive still. Huh. But. It's, I think there he's a manifestation of pure evil, and so he becomes supernatural in a way as a child. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember how Carrie ends, though, with that uh, jump scare cliffhanger thing. Uh, this next piece of feedback is from Matt. Just wanted to comment on the roller skating rinks. In the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, those places are long gone. From what I remember, and having asked friends who live out in California, it's the same over there. Their closing is actually a huge deal. There's a documentary on HBO about their significance and the culture they helped foster called United Skates. (laughs) That seems fun. It's on HBO? Yeah. I think I'll watch that. Yeah. That sounds like a good time. Uh, I'm shocked. The coasts have just turned their backs on uh, roller rinks. Yeah. Have we come full circle enough to bring back... uh, like? skating rinks ironically people are gonna start building new ones <laughs> i mean if there's money to be made in it they'll they'll definitely build it i would go to one out there and obviously if they come back in the coast then like 10 years later the it'll they'll fade out of midwest because we're always like a decade behind <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh that's all the feedback we've got this week again if you have anything you want to send in you can do so at ahs at baldmove.com forums.baldmove.com Twitter slash all the bald things move, at bald move. Everything com. at bald move. Uh, f- this next next week is going to be our last, our la- our final, our final night together. Yeah. Are we going to be final girls? <laughs> <laughs> Which one uh, of us will survive? Who knows? I don't know, but I do know that uh, if you like hearing Cecily's opinions on podcasts, you should check out Bald Move Television because right now her and Alexis are doing a full breakdown of uh, his dark materials on hbo 
yeah. had their first uh, episode out this week. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for that plug. So until next time, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. See ya.